Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins for 1-0 Villa. He has a big clap, mate. So. Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagastitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. Today we'll be reviewing the home match with Newcastle at the weekend as well as reacting to tonight's Carabao Cup second round tie at Barrow as we look ahead to welcoming back our ultimate bogey team at the weekend as Brentford come to Villa Park. And we'll also be taking a, a look ahead to the transfer deadline and seeing what might be occurring in, in respect of that. I'm Andy and today I'm joined by Craig and welcome back to Dan. Roll up, roll up. Uh, we are here, uh, Craig Storrett on Twitter. Delighted to be back uh, talking all things Aston Villa today and uh, delighted to welcome back my friend and yours, Trezeguet's biggest fan, Daniel Betridge. Hey everyone, it's Dan here. Uh, glad to be back after a couple of weeks off, although dreading the next hour of Ray- uh, Craig telling me how good Amor Al Ghazi is. Thanks for his Penenka penalty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll get on to Barrow in a bit with... We're just um, re- uh, recording literally five or ten minutes after the final whistle there, but we'll get on to that. And we'll start with with Saturday as as Villa opened their home campaign by hosting Newcastle. Steve Bruce returned to Aston Villa um, with his Newcastle team. It was a jam-packed house at Villa Park as Dean Smith made changes to the team with Jacob Ramsey and Douglas Louise coming into the midfield. And Ashley Young slotting in at left back, back as as Matt Target missed out after his rather woeful performance at Watford the week before in what turned out to be a 4-3-3 formation. Danny Ings was making his home debut and what a way to mark it as just before the break, Matty Cash launched a, um, a long throw which Tyrone Mings flicked on and Ings connected with one of the most technically brilliant overhead kicks, I would say. Um, you would ever see um, to put Villa ahead. Villa probably probably deserved to be ahead uh, on balance after after a couple of nervy moments early on, but it was a it was a stunning strike by Ings and and could be a taster of what we can expect from Ings this season. I think. Oh yeah, it was incredible. I told you all a couple of weeks ago. I squealed, and my wife wondered what was wrong when Danny Ings signed. This is why the strike was incredible, and this. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages is what an elite finisher looks like. Uh, I think what what Aston Villa now have in their possession, in the palm of their hand, is uh, an absolute elite level finisher. And my goodness, what a difference it makes. Maybe the first elite level finisher we've had since maybe Darren Bent or Benteke, back when Benteke was good. And and Danny Ings hasn't even had a proper chance yet from open play and he's already got two goals. And this is what an elite top, top, top draw finisher does they overperform their xg and danny ings has done that uh, consistently over the last uh, several years for a you know a middling southampton side let's be fair um 
I think we spoke a lot about um, Ollie Watkins and we gave him a lot of credit for the pan- fantastic impact that he's had on the team. And I think we've really missed him in the last couple of uh, games as well. But we also discussed how Watkins had an area where he needed to improve and that was with his finishing. Ollie Watkins underperformed his XG last year by two goals. So um, he should have scored 16 in the Premier League but only got 14. And if you think back to how many times Ollie Watkins hit the woodwork, that's kind of the case in point. Whereas Danny Ings is just far superior in the fact that he scores goals, that he has no business to score like the one on Saturday against Newcastle. And he also tends to bury the ones that he should score too, like the penalty against Watford. What does concern me slightly with Ings, and this might be being ultra picky, but why not, um, is that he only touched the ball 18 times against Newcastle, and that's really not ideal. But I do think that Ings will be more involved once the uh, likes of Ollie Watkins and Leon Bailey are playing alongside him. But my goodness, what a finisher he is. Yeah, I mean, what a strike. What an absolute strike. Andy, I can't wait to hear what it was like from the Holt. But I think Craig's absolutely spot on there. Like, Ollie Watkins was phenomenal last year. Scored 14 goals, could have had a hatful more. But he's a striker who needs three chances to get one goal, you know. And it's we saw that kind of come back to haunt us a couple of times last year. I'm thinking the West Ham game down there, like, springs to mind. Ings had 18 touches, you know, not even a half chance, that scissor kick. It's, it's barely a chance, puts it in. And I think that's the difference. Clinical finisher who, in games like that Newcastle game, it was heading to nil-nil at half time. The natives get restless. You know, we've not started brilliantly. What? Who knows what happens the second half? Bruce just shuts up shop and they still went on the break. Our season's derailed after two games. But Ings just pops up, one half chance, puts it in. And it's, it's the kind of finish that can supercharge a season. I, I listened to you boys last week talking about how we've had such an awful preseason and how we've started slowly. And and I, I'm kind of worried we had a bad preseason. We have started slowly. And we, we saw last year what a fast finish can do for your season. Or a fast start, even, sorry, can do for your season. And, and I wasn't sure we were heading that way. And it's just a moment, one of those great moments in football that you get that just changes the complexion of everything. And, you know, Dino had to tear up his halftime team talk, I bet. Suddenly everything's different. Suddenly the, the atmosphere in the stadium's different. And and not to kind of overblow it, but suddenly the trajectory of the start of our season's different. We go on, win the game comfortably, and and who knows where we go from here. But, yeah, I mean, in, in all honesty, I don't think Ollie Watkins scores that goal. That's not to say he's not a great striker. He's just a different kind of striker. And and what excites me is the two of them working in tandem eventually. you got Ollie creating the chances, and, and Ings there finishing them when they come to him. But, yeah, Andy, what was it like from the stands? I mean, it was just... It was just astonishing it was an incredible atmosphere at the ground generally I think people got there um, a lot earlier than normal Um, we were kind of advised to get there a bit earlier but um, I think people wanted to be there and and soak up the atmosphere and you know it was it was it was great to be back it was a it was a really nice atmosphere at Villa Park Um, loud noisy boisterous but people were happy you know people were happy to be there and and um, it felt good. It felt really good to be back. And you know that goal from the from the other end. I mean, <laughs> if you know the sort of you know perspectives of of watching football from the other end of the ground, it's um, it looked a lot closer than it was. <laughs> um, but the the, the 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 you know the roof came off the place. It was um, it was incredible. But actually, the the quirk of it was that we, we all thought um, at our end that Buendia had scored be, scored it because. Um, his his face flashed up on the uh, on the big screen, 
<laughs> so we all thought it was it was Boindir that had scored it, but it was you know it was Ings and just a tremendous technique. And it was one of them that when I when I saw it later on, um, it looked even better. But I mean, you, you know, you, you just know. And I've 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 written um, a piece um, for the for the website um, about about Danning's about the signing about what he brings to Villa and, and and how he might help us this season. I won't spoil it, but one of the things I, I alluded to in that was um, that it's a bit of a throwback signing for Villa. It's a bit it's a bit of a it's it's evocative of of um, you know one of the '90s signings. I, I, I mentioned Daly and Atkinson, Dean Saunders, Dion Dublin. Players that were brought in, um, strikers specifically that were brought in to, to hit the ground running and do a job. Um, a plug-in striker that is is just gonna is just gonna do, you know, do what he's meant to do from day one, and 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 maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit um, paid a little bit more than than, than maybe we we could have done, um, given that he only had a year on his contract, but. You don't care when you get a player that's 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 that dangerous in front of goal, um, and hits the ground running as those three that I mentioned did way back, and and Darren Bent is another is another example as well from later on. I just think um, it's 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 an exciting signing, and it's nice for Aston Villa to be in a position where they can attract that caliber of of striker and of player. Um, an England striker, you know, we've gone out and signed an England striker to go with the one we've already got, um, which I think is uh, is is just speaks volumes for where we're at at the moment. It does. I, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Austin McPhee. Nanny McPhee has he's been affectionately nicknamed for the set piece maestro uh, Obviously, we have a big man in Tyrone Mings. Uh, who is very, very good in the air. And it seems though Villa are utilising him and he's just created confusion in the Newcastle box. And we look so dangerous from set pieces on uh, Saturday. And uh, that's only going to speak to our change in, in style, our adaptation moving on from you-know-who. And I think it's really exciting because I think those kind of half chances, those kind of scrambles, Danny Ings just knows where to be. And he knows how to just drill one in the bottom corner and get you a couple of easy goals. And um, I think it's really, really good because I think that uh, we had to almost score beautiful goals all the time last season. Um, but now I think we can start to score some ugly goals. Not that Danny Ings' goal was ugly, but, you know, winning the penalty from a bit of a goal mouse scramble, putting people under pressure. Uh, Nanning McPhee is, um, yeah, he's, 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 he's got us cradled at his bosom and he is rocking Aston Villa to sleep. It's a good shout, Craig, and fair play to Mark, who who sat here last week and called it too uh, that there'd be a set piece goal in there that would that would kind of change the game. And I, I think it's it's such an interesting thing because hearing Craig talk about it, he's obviously positive about it. He's a Villa fan; he's going to be. But if anyone watched Match of the Day and listening to Danny Murphy, just the grumpiest man in football, talking about why are they bringing in coaches to coach set pieces? I mean, there's proof right there in front of you why they're bringing in coaches. We don't score that goal last year. We didn't really make use of Matty Cash's long throw last year, and now we scored a goal that has won us three points. And it's, it, I found it hilarious that Danny Murphy was was complaining about us getting a set piece coach when it has become the most natural thing in football now and and it's such an important part of the modern game and they can you know 
Big Sam showed us for years what set pieces can do for a team, both going forwards and at the back. And it's it's something we should unlock. It's something we can get points out of. And I think we saw that at the weekend. And and whilst Austin McPhee's hair is something to he's like something of a cross between Bjornsson and, and I don't know, like old school Bautista or something. But it's it's I, I'm not sure to look at, but his set pieces are beautiful to look at. Yeah, it was a strange comment from from Danny Murphy, but we we're used to that, I think, from him. I think his point was that why can't a normal coach um, teach someone how to take a free kick? And it, it's not about teaching someone how to take a free kick. It's about it's about using the analytics and the um, and the, the stats and the and 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 some of that kind of stuff to um, uh, you know to make sure you you're kind of what's the word kind of kind of you know you know utilizing the um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but but you know he's he's it's 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 coming from a different place. It's coming from the 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 analytics section of 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 coaching. It's it's specialisms is what it is. Football is now moving into the realm of specialisms, where you get people who specialize in certain things rather than having a jack of all trades master of none you have the money you have the resources you have the database you have the finances to absolutely wring every last drop of juice from the berry and that's what nanny mcphee is there to do and that's what he has he has he has started to do already and i think three points um already on the board augurs really well for aston villa and aston villa season danny murphy uh, may be stuck in the old school and um hopefully one day he can get back to the future and if not then um danny good luck to you you're miserable so and so <laughs> I, did, I was listening to another podcast and they were asking people you know what are the what other kind of coaches could you what are the kind of specialisms and, and what someone said um a shithouse coach you know um which i think would be would be fantastic teaching players how to properly use their shithousery skills but um yeah, we, I mean, we'll just see. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think it was it was it was a it was a nice kind of um, welcome back to to Villa Park um, in a in a bit of a new era, um, and it, it very much took everyone's minds off um, off off people that weren't there. I think more and uh, and and gave us a, a glimpse into the future that that goal. Um, but Villa went two 0 up early early in the second half. Um, as a, a goal mouth scramble saw uh, Ming, a Ming's header hit hit Lascelles on the arm, and a penalty was awarded after a VAR check, and and the ref went to the screen and and, and gave the penalty, and our very own Penoir El Golzi, I, I believe he's he's been he's been um, named now, stepped up to convert the penalty comfortably as he does as we saw tonight as well, which we'll get onto. Um, we'll talk about El Ghazi again because. Um, He's now Villa's leading goal scorer since we returned to the Premier League, I believe, with 15 goals in the Premier League, you know, since Villa went up. Um, yeah, he still appears to be kind of the full, the full guy for a lot of fans um, when Watkins, Bailey, etc. are fit and ready to play. If you look at people's teams, ideal teams and so on, Al Ghazi's rarely in it. Um I mean, he clearly offers a, a, a great deal at this level. So, so what do you, what is what what is he lacking, and 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 is there a scenario um, where Al Ghazi does have perhaps a future at the club? 
Oh, I, I'm wary of talking about this one with Craig on the call. I mean, imagine what if I say the wrong thing? He's going to cry or he's going to find me and, and turn up on my doorstep angry. But I mean, I can't argue anymore. The guy scores goals. I mean, a lot of them are penalties and two of them against Barrow in the cup. But it, the guy does score goals. Um, but I think the problem he has, and I think why he's in an everyone starting eleven, is he's a bit of a one-trick pony. He, he's a bit of a pound shot Ronaldo. He cuts him from the left. He has a go. That's what he does. That's why he didn't work on the right wing last week. I, I was listening to you guys talking about it, and I was like, the reason he doesn't work on the right is because he can't cut in and have a go at goal. He, he can keep cutting outwards, but that doesn't work on the right. And I think that's what's always going to hold him back from a starting berth unless he's a squad player, unless he's coming in when we got a run of games, is he's he's a one-trick pony. It's a good trick. It's a phenomenal trick. People come from a long way around to see it. But that's what he's got in his locker. And I think that's fine in bursts. That's fine as a sub. That's fine in the odd run of games. That's not the kind of player you want to build a team around. It's not... You need someone with a bit more to that, a multifaceted tool, and he's he's very much a hammer, and that's useful for certain situations. But I'm not sure I'd be wanting to change a light bulb with him if I'm going to take this terrible analogy that far. But now, Craig, are you going to vivisect me? I'm kind of I'm ready for it. <laughs> you know what, Daniel? Um, I agree with you. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, shock. <laughs> I do agree with you, but oh, my beautiful baby boy, Anwar. Um, uh, he, 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 you're right, he's kind of a one-trick pony, but it's a fantastic trick. And we have just spent uh, the best part of £30 million for the same trick from Danny Ings. Um, Danny Ings can get away with it a little bit more because he's a striker and you're looking for less from your strikers than you are from your wingers. But, I mean, let's let's get the good stuff out of the way first to, to echo what, what Daniel said. Anwar's goal return is phenomenal, it's supreme. Even if you take away the penalties... Um, the, the goal record is very good when you consider the context. You know, I say context is king. First season for Al Ghazi in the Premier League, he was playing in a relegation-threatened team that weren't very good, quite frankly. And the second season, he was probably our fourth choice behind um, uh, Joe Grulash, uh, Bertie, and... Um, and Daniel's not-so-beautiful baby boy, Trezeguet. So um, you have to say that on that basis, for a meager eight to nine million pounds, whatever it was that we paid Lille for Anwar Algarsi, the same summer that uh, Arsenal paid 75 million for this, uh, for uh, Pepe from the same club, by the way, um, we've got incredible value for money from Anwar um, um, at Aston Villa. But with the positives out of the way, let's, let's, give, let's give Dan some love. I, I agree, you know. There are some problems. Him playing on the right wing is one we talked about last week. It shouldn't ever, ever happen. He's very bad there, uh, which is a problem if you're Anwar because you're looked at as a depth option and you need players who can cover multiple positions. Anwar can really only cover one. I don't think he can play 10 either. So it's more or less left wing or bust. And then also look at how Aston Villa view him. Aston Villa have been dishing out new contracts to the likes of Target, um, Douglas Louise, Mings, Konza, etc., etc. Martinez is apparently next on the list. There's no word of a new contract for El Ghazi and he's got less than two years remaining on his deal. So you're thinking that Villa haven't given Anwar fresh terms because they also feel as a club that he is going to be the full guy and that maybe he has reached his absolute ceiling and maybe he won't be a player moving forward. So when you score 10 Premier League goals as he did last year, which is, again, I'll repeat, absolutely exceptional for any Premier League winger. I think Mane from Liverpool only got 11 for context. 
Amwar actually last season recorded zero assists in the league. He got two tonight against Barrow, but zero assists in the Premier League for a whole season for a winger is really quite terrible. You know, let's call it what it is. Um, you know, no crosses, no slide rule passes, no cutbacks on the byline, nothing, nada, zip from Al Ghazi from a creative standpoint. For a winger, that's just not acceptable. So that's where he falls down. But as you say, goals win games. He guarantees goals at this point. So I don't know. Andy, what do you do? Well, I always say, I think we, we asked this question or you asked this question a few months ago. And my immediate res- response was sell him. Um, <laughs> and, and I haven't really changed from that. I do think if you got a, a reasonable bid, um, somewhere around the 10 to 15 million pound mark, I think you take it um, all day long. And um, that's not because I don't like him. One thing I will say about, another thing I will say about El, El Ghazi um, I'm a big one for attitude, and um, I think you can you can see when players aren't really um, aren't really up for it sometimes, and you can tell. Um, and Al Ghazi was maybe one of those players at the start. I'm not entirely sure how how keen he was to join Villa. I think he was pushed our way, and it was obviously at a time when um, the previous manager was in charge, and he was on loan, and he it was a bit of a low point in his career, I think. Um, and uh, it was a low point for all of us, Andy. <laughs> it was I was very low at that stage. Um, but you know, as Dean Smith uh, sort of came in, he's worked with him. He's 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 encouraged him. He's he's you know given him a bit of a kick up the arse at times, and he's 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 helped him, I think, and he's 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 turned him into someone who I think you know on balance, Dean Smith trusts. I think a year ago. Um, he was nowhere near the side, was he? he? He, you know, it took him a long time to, to, to get in, um, and get his chance. And he scored that penalty at Wolves, and then kind of went from strength to strength. But prior to that, you know, he was he wasn't even getting on the bench. So um, I think Dean, he's now a man that Dean Smith trusts, and I think that speaks volumes for Al Ghazi and 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 how he's developed and how he's matured, um, and. He maybe is one of those players that you know. If you show that bit of trust in him, he he will he will re- reward he will respond and he'll you know he'll pay you back sort of thing. So I don't know. I'd still sell him, but I I would sell him um, with um, and let him go with 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 far more affection than than, than other players that have left this the club this summer. And, All right. Two two things here, two things, Andy. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. I'm going to wrestle with you now. <laughs> um, firstly, if we sell him, is that not a little bit of a problem? Because you're looking at Trezeguet injured, and if Trezeguet comes back, he's going to Afcon. Traore injured. When Traore comes back, he's going to Afcon. Uh, Bailey, and then you've, you're left with Bailey, Buendia, and um, and. Um, the young lad, Flagine Bidace. Is that enough for your wingers? Can you afford to sell him? I think, I think. well, at this point, if we look at all the options we have, um, and, and I agree, there are going to be times this season where we don't have all those options or anything like it. Um, I would say that um, we, we're, we're well overstocked. We've got too many, particularly if we're going to be playing a 4-3-3. There isn't room even for Buendia and Bailey in a 4-3-3 because Watkins and Ings will play. 
So um, you're only you, you're talking about then you've got four or five players um, going after one, you know, one position in the team. So I think you can. The only reason I'm always reluctant to sell players, that, and particularly players that score goals, is you know you look a bit of a, a prune when you're in February and you can't buy a goal and you're going on a really bad run um, and you need a goal and you've sold your, the, the the player that scored the most Premier League goals for you. So I, I, th- I think I think that's where I would you know. But in reality, you have to say with two years left on his contract, if you've got a decent bid. You know, you you you've got to go, and if you are struggling, you rectify it in January. I think it's. I, I can't believe I'd be agreeing with Craig here, but I mean, I was the same when we asked this question a few weeks ago. I was like, sell him. And even now, from a business perspective, if this is Wolf of Wall Street, I'm banging my chest and and saying, sell him. His stock's high. It's a, you know, it's, it's the fake frozen orange juice concentrate from trading places. Like his value's never been higher. Sell him. Get the cash. But goals are priceless. We've just spent thirty million on a guy to get goals, and and these are pretty much guaranteed goals in the Premier League. So whilst I think he is still our fourth choice winger, if not fifth choice, further down the line, when we get a run of games at Christmas and you suddenly need to throw someone on the left and get you a goal, and I'd be worried to see where we're turning. And I think I, I'm all up for selling him. I am, I am fully on board for selling <laughs> him. I, I'm, I'm ready to cash that check, but. If we don't have a replacement, it would be madness at this point. And I can't believe I'm saying that. It's just one of those oddities. One of, and you get them in a team from time to time. Those oddities that it's just a great player without being necessarily a great player. And, and I'm kind of, it's a really weird place to be in with him because I like to be on the other side to Craig with it. But shades we of, need uh, him. Shades of Ian Ormondroid. He, he's, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. just effective, is, is what it is. But, you know, I. I don't know what's happened to him because the, and it could be just the level of the championship is different, but in the championship, he seemed to be a player that would get the ball, run at people. He would beat a man. He had a great cross on him. And I think he he's lost some of that in the Premier League. And that's probably, maybe it's confidence. Maybe Dean Smith has said, look, stop doing that. Or whatever it is, he, he's kind of stopped doing it. But it's interesting that Villa have chosen not to protect his value. We've even seen with the loan of Twanzebi, which I was whinging about a couple of weeks ago. Like the player, hate the deal. Um, even Manchester United extended Twanzebi by a year, even though they clearly have no interest in using him just to protect his value. Villa have chosen not to do that. So yeah, from a business standpoint, if he's got one, if you want to sell him in January or you want to sell him next summer, you're probably looking at six or seven million. Um, whereas now maybe you could push it to 13, 14, 15. So from a business standpoint, yeah, you, you, you probably, this is the time to cash out if you're not going to extend his contract and it doesn't look like Villa are. But He's just effective. He just keeps... He's like a cockroach. You can't get rid of him. <laughs> I think... You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you think... Every time you count him out, you know, and he was, he was sitting in the corner flag restaurant watching the watching the first few games of last season and he ends up our, our, our top goal scorer outside of Ollie Watkins. Um, what do you do with him? He's a conundrum wrapped in an enigma <laughs> and he's also my beautiful baby boy, Anwar. <laughs> Well, um, I mean, we might mention him uh, again in a few minutes, so we'll we'll, we'll leave it there and we'll talk about um, a couple of other players that that, that caught the eye on Saturday. Um, Villa really switched to a, a, a more the four three three formation, which was always favoured by Smith um, initially at Villa. Um, it's worked so well in the past, and it worked well again on Saturday with Jacob Ramsey receiving a lot of the credit, but we also saw. 
a far more dominant performance from from uh, the meatball man John McGinn, our new vice captain. Um, it was far more like the the McGinn of old. He was winning the ball, driving forward, and always providing that that option for his teammates to to receive the ball. Um, how pleased uh, were you to see both of these um, these players for for probably different reasons? Really, uh, give such accomplished performances and. Um, could this kind of improved form from from both of these players negate the need um, to add another midfielder in this window? Do, 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 do. That is my McGinn pass completion, Claxon. <laughs> I looked it up. It was up to eighty, almost 85% against Newcastle, which is much more like it. How many times did I beat that drum last year? 79% pass completion for McGinn was completely unacceptable, particularly it's not good enough for an attacking midfielder, never mind a deep-lying defensive midfielder as he was playing last year. And it's good to see that he's taken that on board. It's uh, <laughs> You could thank me, John, for your first... I'm joking. Yeah, no, but no, in all seriousness, it, it, was, it needed to improve. You can't have, you know, you can't have a top eight, top seven, top six midfielder with those kind of numbers. You just can't. As much as we all love McGinn, he had to improve them. He has improved them. I knew he could do it and he's doing it. He's also fitter. He's leaner. He's he's thinner. He's talked about cutting out the beer, cutting out the chips in, in, in preseason. He's in fine shape and he is he is a proper midfielder again. Um, the only thing I'm going to moan about now, John, he had wonderful performance against Newcastle. I'm just going to complain now about his stupid pot shots from 35 yards that go sailing over the bar when he should be playing in a winger or playing in a striker those annoy me but other than that great and oh my god Jacob Ramsey outstanding against Newcastle I tweeted that he was my man of the match I think he was um incredible he's really gone from from a boy to to a man he's he's grown in stature grown in confidence he was even popping off a couple of shots as well driving at opponents and he looked more much more threatening in the final third and you feel like a goal could be coming for him i think the midfield to answer your other question andy um do we need to add to the midfield yes i think we still do the midfield looked better but i would still like to see a, a defensive midfielder come in and um, I would probably say farewell to Marvellous Dikamba and Conor Harahan to facilitate that in terms of, uh, you know, the squad numbers. It's an interesting one. I mean, firstly, a word on Ramsey, who I, I've been not sure on in the Villa shirt. He's always struck me as your classic modern-day academy project, a product who's super technical, looks good in the half spaces, does all the right things, but with no end product. And he seems to finally be adding that end product to his game. He looked a lot more dangerous on the weekend. And I think the same with McGinn. It's because we played a formation that suited him. I think the 4-3-3 suits our midfielders way better this year because we don't have the likes of, of he who shall not be named and Ross Bark dropping deep to link up so the 4-2-3-1 doesn't work as well but a 4-3-3 you got an extra man in there it means that they can get forwards more often they spread the workload around it suits our players so much better which is why the ing signing is still a weird one for me it strikes me that we we brought him out of opportunity rather than maybe planning to buy him because i don't think you can play the 4-3-3 and fit ings and ollie in their best positions but yeah it was really good to see see mcginn back to something approaching his best and that marauding best that we like to see from him he he can play deeper it feels like a waste feels like putting, you know, diesel in your Ferrari or something. It, it just doesn't feel like the right move for him. And, and the same, I think it means we can get Ramsey more minutes in a position that he likes to play in. And I think, yeah, it suits the balance of our midfield better. And, and unless we add to it, I don't think we should be looking at the, the 4-2-3-1 again. But, but how did it look in person, Andy? 
Yeah, I think the the big thing with Ramsey was that um, last season he he looked like a you know a very good academy graduate um, who was stepping up to the Premier League. Like we said, l- lacking that that confidence maybe um, in the final third and and lacking that final ball. He came on against Watford and we spoke about him uh, last week, I think, and he he came on against Watford and and he looked a different player. He looked he looked far more. Um, you know, up with the pace and he made a difference uh, last week. This week he started and just looked looked perfectly at home, looked very comfortable, technically very good, all the same things, but just more confident and 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 yes, he was he was looking more dangerous in the final third. Um so it it bodes well. It bodes well. He's got to keep that going and, and of course if if Villa are in a position where they you know they may be, and we'll talk about this later. But they they bring in a, a new midfielder. You know, Ram, that Ramsey might suffer as a result of that, maybe. Um, and of course, we've got Sanson uh, to come back as well. So, um, but but great to see um, at the moment as well. The shirt's his. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be moving him out the side. Certainly not on on Saturday. Um, and I just, I mean, you, everyone knows I, I love McGinn. Um, he's my favourite player. Um, even when he plays badly, I'll, I'll fight anyone who says he's played badly. <laughs> and, uh, if you were, if you were living a bit closer, Craig, you might get a knock on your door. <laughs> but no, we, I, I just, I, I just, I just love him, and um, I love his commitment to Villa. Um, he's, he's, he's really stepped up as well um, since, uh, since. Um, the other one left. Um, he's 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 saying the right things. He's saying Joe Grulash. <laughs> Joe Grulash. Yeah, he's he's the, yeah. the Bumfluff Baggio has has gone, and he McGinn has stepped into that role of of being the man who's who's talking about things like commitment and being at the club and and and, and loving playing for the club, and I I, I absolutely love that from him. Um, and because uh, it's it's easy when a player like that leaves, it's easy for other players to kind of keep stum and keep the powder dry in case they're the next one to get a big move, maybe. Um, but I've not not seen that from from McGinn, and and I wouldn't necessarily expect him uh, expect him to be any different. But but again, that's what I, that's what I love about him is there's something very comforting about having him there at the club, and when he puts in performances like that. You know, there's no no doubt in my mind that he can he can keep his place in that in that team nailed down. Um, you know, but I mean, we'll see what happens in the transfer window. I guess over the next um, the next the next few days. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like we say, we're recording just um, a few minutes now after the after Villa's Carabao Cup match against Barrow. Um, it was a much changed lineup with only um, Anwar Al Ghazi keeping his place uh, from the Newcastle game, uh, with Carney Chukwemeka, Jaden Philogene Bidace, and Cameron Archer all making their first senior starts for the club. Conor Hurahan took the captain's armband, which um, I was very happy to see. And and also Axel Twanzebe made his first Villa appearance um, since the player final in 2019. It was a wonderful night for Archer, who completed um, a hat-trick with Al Ghazi getting another two, including a, a, a disgusting Penenka penalty, which uh, 
which um, we'll talk about. And, of course, my favourite, Freddie Gilbert, getting a goal as well. Um, it was a comfort- it was a comfortable win in the end. Um, but who impressed you in terms of possibly knocking on the first team door and who maybe has um, a bit more work to do? Yeah, I mean, a word on that Penenka, it was filthy. It was as filthy as they come. The goalkeeper went down, thought about getting back up, tried to get up, couldn't get up, and the ball still wasn't over the line. It was that good. But and these games were a weird one because we're on a hide into nothing as a team of Villa. You're expected to win comfortably. You know, you're going away to, you know, a long journey, probably not a great pitch, fans on top of you, plenty of raucous noise. I mean, it's a great atmosphere for the young lads to experience, to, to get meaningful minutes. And I think they all pretty much impressed. I mean, Archer will get applauded for the goals, and rightly so, but I don't think he was the most impressive of the bunch. I think Philogene Bades carried on where he did in pre-season. I think he's been unlucky to not start in the Premier League so far, and I think, again, he showed why tonight. I know uh, Craig was saying on our chat that he wasn't super impressed with Chuck Wamenka, but I thought his movement was great. He was coming up in, in interesting pockets of space and kind of stretching the defence at times, dropping deep at times. His passing wasn't all there, but I thought he looked good. But my kind of player that impressed me and, and is not one of the young lads, it's Matty Target, who I know kind of came in for pelters after the first game of the season, and well, it's first half game of the season, and rightfully so. Didn't look ready, hadn't had a preseason. He was had on toast for the first half and rightfully got dropped. And how he responded, I think, is really important. I thought he, he didn't put a foot wrong tonight in what was a really testing atmosphere. I saw one throw on where he's got a bunch of fans clamoring around him from the stands. And it's he's there, he's fighting for his place again. He could have just phoned it in. I thought he put in a really professional senior performance. Um and yeah, I think it's no coincidence, and I kind of, I was chatting to a few people about this, I think it's no coincidence that Matt Target played better when there were no fans in the grounds. I think in Project Lockdown, I think he, he looked a bit ropey in our first season in the Premiership because he, he maybe shied away from pressure a bit. So so being in, in a little bit of a cauldron in Cumbria tonight, maybe it was a good thing for him and, and proved that he's, he's you know, ready to fight Ashley Young for that left-back berth and get back in. But, you know, good night at the office for the Villa tonight. It was a really good night. I mean, six nil. Um, loads of young players got the uh, got the nod. I was uh, a little bit vocal on Twitter of my disappointment at not seeing Wesley, um, probably because I'm an old sentimental wet soppy so and so. Um, I just want to see Wesley wear the number nine shirt and start a game for Aston Villa after he was Ben Mead uh, almost two years ago now. Um, so when he wasn't starting, I was a bit disappointed. But obviously, he, it seems as though Greg Evans has, has mentioned on Twitter that Wesley is off on his way, on his merry travels. So we wish him all the best. I hope he gets back to fitness. But what's probably even more exciting for Aston Villa is this batch of young players we have coming through who aren't just doing it now in under-23 football or under-18 football where they uh, the under-18s beat Norwich 10-0 uh, last weekend, by the way, which is crazy. Um, but to have a young man um, like Archer come in and score a hat-trick. Now, Archer is uh, a prospect, but he's not one of the kind of ballyhooed, um, uh, hyped players that we have. And for him to score a hat-trick, and it was a good hat-trick as well. There were some nice, nice, cool finishes in there. Um, Philogene Bedace, I think, was my man of the match again. Um, I, I wanted him to start against Watford. I say, I'll say again, I, I'm ready to see him unleashed at the Premier League level. He has certainly um, stepped forward. I did say in the, in, in the group chat I was a little bit um, 
he was a little bit quiet. Chokomenka, um, Carney, <laughs> Chokomenka, let's call him junior. Uh, let's call the other one senior. Um, Carney was a little bit quiet, but, you know, he is only, you know, he's not long-term 17, so we have to bear that in mind. And, and, and you know, we, we, we all understand what a great talent he is. And um, I was disappointed a little bit with uh, Twanzebi, disappointed a little bit with um, Marvellous Nakamba. I thought Marvellous just c- kept getting caught on the ball. So I think... I think I'm ready to say goodbye to Marvelous and um and 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 yeah, I think I think that the jig is up for him. But my goodness, for us to win six 0 even Freddie Gilbert, Andy's favourite villa player other than John McKinn, uh getting on the, the score sheet. I mean, it was just nice. It was it was fun to watch. And, um, you know, the most important thing is getting into the hat for the next round because this is a competition Villa should be trying to win at all costs. So it's a great start into the hat for the next round and great exposure for our young players. All good. Hat tip for, for Connor Huran there too, who I kind of forgot to mention, but I thought, and we, we've all been thinking he's been off for a while, right? Like he's been, we've basically been walking him out the door expecting him to go. I think he was great tonight and that's exactly the kind of game when he doesn't have to run and he can almost sit in that PLO row and just knock the ball around. I don't think he'll do that in many games this year and I still think he's off because he's that kind of guy he wants to play every week, but he showed his worth to us, captain in the side playing well, clearly a good role model around the team and fair play to him. I thought he was, you know, cut above tonight. Apart from Freddie Gilbert, obviously, who goal and assist and a great beard. I mean, what's not to like? Nasty foul on Gilbert uh, well, there at the end, wasn't it? Got brutal, Very didn't nasty, it for a while. yeah. Andy, you must have had your yeah, clutching your pearls at that one. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't get injured, Freddie. Now, where, where would we get our fifth choice uh, right back from uh, <laughs> if he got injured? But no, he's no. It was good to see him. I thought he. I mean, again, you know, you look at players that 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 maybe feel like they might be off. Um, I think uh, scoring a goal in front of the the, the travelling fans who have travelled what's about a thousand miles <laughs> to go to that game tonight and just turning his back on them um, was was probably uh, was probably. Um, slightly disrespectful but um I, I don't know I, I think I think uh look to pick up on on one or two points I think Chukwameka um maybe the problem is when when you have a player like that who is so highly rated and and there's so much expectation um if he isn't kind of slicing through the defense um at every opportunity you kind of think Ah, oh, this isn't uh, what I was what I was hoping for, but I thought on probably four or five occasions during the game, he 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 had he had a moment where he just looked a class above everyone on the field. Um, you know, including um, some of the main men, not including Freddie Gilbert. Yeah, well, even even Freddie, I think, would have struggled um, to pull off some of that some of that skill, but. Um, he just he, he just looks and he just looks so composed and then he went off and of course his his, his brother Caleb came on um for his villa debut as well um who's a bit older um i'm not sure if he's a classed as a, a, a striker or just a just a forward player um striker but he looks a striker yeah but he looked he looks a real handful um, when he, he looked came a bit on. of a unit if uh, if, yeah. if if the uh, if if junior grows into that kind of uh, physique as well you know goodness me it's going to be frightening if he fills out a bit more but i was quite impressed yeah. with the with with carney senior today yeah he he was he was he was he was very he looked very lively and of course by this stage barrow would probably um 
you know, on their knees a little bit, but but he was he was finding some some space and he was he was showing a good turn of pace and and running running at defence and you know maybe he's got um a bit of a future as well. Maybe we've picked up a little gem there. So you know it, it all there's there was a lot of positives from today. It's one of them where it could be just horribly negative and 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 you know just just a disgusting evening but it was it was nice it was a nice evening and i'm sure the the 600 or so um villa fans that made the trip are uh, are in in good spirits on their way down now and they'll probably get back at about half five this morning <laughs> it looks like they got some good views from the stands though beautiful part of the world and there's some some rolling hills in the background i saw saw an asda lorry drove past at one point too like you there's get a all traffic the traffic light as well there. yeah lovely traffic light yeah. yeah, like fair play to the, I don't know if they had it on all the coverage, but on, on Sky over here, they had the kind of the saga with the light that fell down and some guy went out on the ropiest looking ladder I've ever seen. No health and safety. This this 60 odd year old guy had to climb up and fix the light and uh, and fair play to him. I think that was the highlight of the game for me, watching that guy fix the, the strip light and in the home end. But There was a tweet and it, I, I can't remember who it was, so I can't give them credit. But they'll know who they were, who who they are. There was a tweet saying that Birmingham City have put a bid in for that light. <laughs> um, <laughs> they've got some stadium issues, and and they thought there was perhaps one one going there. Um, yeah. So I mean, re- really, really nice, um, really nice evening for Villa, and uh, yeah, it's, I absolutely agree that it's um it's a competition we need to be we need to be going deep in really, and and looking to win. We we have to start looking like we're going to win some silverware over the next few years, I think, and, and bringing the good times back, um, you know, with some major honours, um, uh, cause it's been way too long. I think we'll all agree on that. Well, um, sp- speaking of going deep, Andy, <laughs> let's talk about going balls deep. Let's, let's, let's but talk about to, that. <laughs> but before you do that, you want to make sure that your balls are freshly manscaped. Do you know what happened earlier tonight at Barrow? El Ghazi did things to that goalkeeper in public that shouldn't be done in public, at least without taking that goalkeeper out for dinner. El Ghazi has made that goalkeeper move in a way (laughs) that he's never moved before. Now, my beautiful boy, Anwar, we know that he manscapes. We know that he, I mean, even his eyebrows are just perfectly symmetrical and, and you just have to... If you follow that theme throughout his whole body, you can imagine what's going on with Anwar downstairs. But what is going on with you downstairs, ladies and gentlemen? Do you have a manscaped area? Or are you as bushy <laughs> as bushy as a 70s porn star? That's the question I'm asking you. Because if you are, then you are missing a trip. You need to manscape yourself. And here is the big news. The big news, which Mark Jarobi revealed last week. The Performance Package 4.0 is now available in the UK, which includes dun, 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 the Lawnmower 4.0. The Lawnmower 4.0 is all new skin safe electrical trimmer. It's even better than the 3.0 with that ceramic blade. You've also got the Weed Whacker, which is the ear and nose hair trimmer. You've got the Crop Preserver, which is the anti-chafing ball deodorant. Andy's a big fan of that one. You've got the Crop Reviver, which is the ball spray toner, you know, for when you're having those intimate liaisons. You want to make sure that your balls are toned. Yeah, you want to, you want to be impressive. You do. 
it's important. And you've also got the magic mat, which is a disposable shaving mat. As I talked about a few weeks ago, you don't want to get the pubes on the cat. No pubes on the pussy, ladies and gentlemen. That is what we're trying to do. Um, for those of you who didn't listen, my cat is is like a I don't know. She's 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 very needy. So if I'm shaving or anything, she'll she'll be around my 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 feet and purring and rubbing on my ankles. And then I I need got pubes on the cat. So don't do that. Get the magic mat, disposable shaving mats as well in the performance package 4.0, and you will get our wonderful wonderful discount when you use promo code LAMP. That's L-E-A-M-P, LAMP, to get 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And don't forget to use our promo code LAMP. Yeah, that's one L. One L there. L-A-M-P. Yeah, but now we're, we're thanks for that, Craig. That's that's very inspiring. And uh, now we're going to get balls deep, deep into a bit of transfer talk, um, <laughs> if you like. And uh, the transfer window shuts on the 31st of August, um, which is next Tuesday. Um, and there's a few issues to be resolved. We have we have discussed um, one or two already. Um, we mentioned the potential, you know, for reinforcements in the midfield. Um, Villa have there have been some tenuous links to a couple of midfielders on the continent. Thomas Delaney of Borussia Dortmund and Weston McKenney of Juventus, um, are names that have been hopefully perhaps banded around more than more in hope than than expectation maybe. Um, and also there are of course players who who may be looking to move out. You know we've mentioned Hurahan, we've mentioned um, Gilbert, possibly going on loan. Al Ghazi, Traore um, have reportedly been attracting interest from Mr. Mourinho at Roma and a possible link up with um, Tammy Abraham there. What are your feelings um, about any movement uh, likely to happen or, or not prior to the window and how do you rate our business to this point? I think it's um, it's it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Obviously, you don't want to lose your best player. Um, that's never a good sign. But I think we have mitigated that as best as possible. And and as we talked about earlier with Danny McPhee and Danny Ings and uh, Leon Bailey, the other additions, we are looking to play a different way, a more pragmatic way. So we're looking to replace um, that reliance on one player, which I think actually long term will be, will be beneficial. But as we've seen already in the Watford game and the lack of clear cut chances created against New Newcastle, that's going to be a kind of teething process. And we've, as we've all, I think, pretty much predicted on this podcast, we could have a bit of a flip season where we start slowly and end well, uh, you know, which is the reverse of what happened last season. Weston McKenney is a hell of a player um, in terms of the transfer rumours. I would say that he's probably second only to Christian Pulisic in, in popularity in the States right now. Um, they love him. It would be a big deal for Villa. It would be, Villa would be on TV a lot more um, over here if we signed Weston McKenney. Um, McKenney's an incredible all-round midfielder. He's great uh, in defending both boxes aerially. He has great energy and he has also a high ceiling and lots of room for improvement. But what McKenney isn't, is a conventional number six, is, which is what I think we're looking for. Um, he would be another number eight for me, and we seem to be overpopulated with number eight. Delaney, on the other hand, um, no relation to Mark, I'm told, uh, is a real number six. And um, and and I think he's another Ings type, not in that he's a striker, is, you know, as Andy said earlier, he's plug and play. 
Uh, Delaney's 29. He's coming in and he's going to be ready to play and ready to start right now. Um, so if we were to have... Um, if we were to sign either of those players, I think actually it'd be really, really positive uh, steps for Aston Villa. But I think probably we need Delaney a little bit more than we need McKenney right now. Yeah, I mean, they're both names to conjure with, aren't they, right? Like, these are quality players. Delaney has been up there as one of the best defensive midfielders at one of Europe's top teams for a while. And McKenney here is so highly rated. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's playing at Juventus. I mean, he's not getting much game time, but you don't go to Juventus unless you're a decent player. So it, it's great to be linked to, with players of this caliber. And if we go for one or the other, I think it depends a lot on our play style. I think we we have the players to play 4-3-3 and Delaney could plug into that. We don't quite have the midfielders to play a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1 at the moment or whatever it takes to squeeze Ings and uh, Watkins into the same team. So I think if we want to go back to how we played last season, we need another midfielder who's an all-round midfielder, kind of someone who defends, someone who can, can carry the ball from box to box, someone who can pass. The problem is they don't grow on trees, those kind of players. So it's going to be hard to find one, but they're, they're, they're both superb players. I'll be happy to have either one of them in a Villa shirt. As for our business so far, I think we've we've done phenomenal business. We haven't seen it yet, it's the problem. I know there's been, you know, murmurings about Buendia's output so far, and I, I truly believe that once Buendia gets up to speed, we won't even remember. You know, old Bonfluff Baggio there, he's, I mean, Buendia has the potential to eclipse him in terms of output. I think it's more a case of Villa getting used to Buendia rather than Buendia getting used to the Premier League. I think we need to to learn to overlap him more, to give him the freedom to drift, to really build the team, not around him in the same way we did with Jack, but to enable him to do the kind of moves that he likes to do. So I think our business has been superb, but as Craig says, it's going to take time for us to see the fruits of that labour. Um, but yeah, another another midfielder for me would be great to see coming in. But if no one comes in, look, obviously I'm disappointed like every fan. I want back page headlines and new transfers coming in constantly. It's the fantasy football part of it. But our business so far has been great. We've got it done early. There's reasons to be happy as a Villa fan. I'd be just that little cherry cherry on the top if we got a world-class defensive midfielder in. Whether it's either of those two names mentioned, I like Romeo from Southampton. God, I love Basuma. I mean, he was phenomenal the weekend. I think he's out of our price range now, but he was phenomenal. And I just think you see a player like that play like he did for Brighton at the weekend, you could see what he could do for this Villa side. So, and with Craig, a, a top draw number six would transform this team for me. But if we don't get one, it's not the end of the world. We've done good business. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the type of midfielder that we need has been sort of bandied around and people have been discussing it. And there's obviously a lot of people that, and, and, you know, we've said on here that it feels like we need a, a conventional defensive midfielder to, to kind of play, whether we play as a, with a two in there or, or with, with a three. Um, we need that type of player. But the player that we've been linked with all summer was, was James, James Ward-Prowse, and he's, he's not a number six. He's, an, he's certainly a number eight. He's, he's, he can do... The, the dirty work as well, but that's not his his main um, part of the game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we haven't really been sort of openly chasing a, any number six type player, have we? It's just it's just not not been on the radar, and it makes me think that um, that really we're 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 quite quite comfortable with that, or not needing one, or not really wanting to play with a destroyer type in there um 
which I'm okay with, really. I mean, I saw, I watched um, um, Leicester and, and, and West Ham last night, and and um, Ndidi, who has been absolutely raved about um, for for a good two seasons now, and quite rightly, he's been he's been excellent. Was just nowhere to be found in that midfield. He and he has nothing else, no other part of his game to redeem the situation. He is there to do a job, and um, he was completely annihilated by the West Ham midfield. Um, for me, if you're spending 20, 30 million on a midfielder, I want them to be able to do more than win the ball back. Because there'll be times where, you know. They don't win the ball back. There'll be times where you know they come up against teams who who have who have that sussed and um, like Ndidi found and, well, and, and and before you know ten eleven million gets you a marvelous exactly, Nakamba, yeah. doesn't it? And we've already got one of those, and, and and you know and we're ready to move on. I think. Well, I am anyway. Um, so you're going to have to really dip your hand into your pocket. And a Bissouma is uh, you know is at least thirty million, if not forty or fifty. Um, that's what you're kind of looking at unless you get someone from outside. We saw the lad uh, Saar has gone to Tottenham, I think, today, who we were linked with. So, um, you know, you've either got to bring someone in who is not necessarily Premier League ready and give them opportunity to acclimatise, or you go and buy someone who is, as you know, as you said earlier, Andy, plug and play. And those are not cheap, as we've seen with, uh, you know, the signing of Danny Ings. Yeah, and I think I think this, this is it. And I, I look at, also, uh, Dean Smith, and I think I've, I've talked about this before, and I don't remember many of his sides. Um, possibly at Warsaw, he had Adam Chambers there, who used to sit in the number six role a little bit. Um, but he likes to he likes to play with more of a, a pivot type player who 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 helps move the ball, who helps helps progress the ball, and and kind of and you know that well that Jorginho type they call him the um the uh what's they, oh, I can't remember the the pendulum or something they call him um which metronome yeah, metronome that's the one yeah yeah that's the one he's pendulum he's, um, was for the manscaped uh, bit <laughs> Um, that's what they used to call Michael Oakes apparently but (laughs) but, um, Oak by name Oak by nature that's that's right that's right if the rumours are to be believed that is a deep cut of a reference there I'm kind of enjoying that that's that's what you come to this podcast for that kind of that kind of Michael Oakes cut deep by the sounds of it (laughs) (laughs) but um, I'm making a serious point here (laughs) sorry sorry Andy and I think I think I think it will be that that you know he had at Brentford he had Ryan Woods again <laughs> Woods though yeah <laughs> but, there's a theme developing but I th- but I think I think you know it, it it is more that you know he wants to have the ball Dean Smith wants to have the ball he doesn't want to be forever trying to win the ball back which is the only reason you'd need an NDD type of player, I think. Um, I think you need one. I think there is, I think there's certain teams that we're not going to have the ball against. So I can see the, I can see the use of a marvellous in the games. The games towards the end of last season, we had marvellous against uh, Tottenham and uh, Chelsea, where we won both games. We didn't have the ball. Marvellous was really good in both those games. But anytime we need to do anything other than sit back, he is absolutely... No good. Even today, um, you know, against Barrow, you know, he's losing the ball and he's 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 a bit lost out there. Bless him. So, what do you guys think about this potential rumor that Shaky is bringing in the Leicester style four four two? You know, with uh, 
I guess the uh, Ings would be Avadi and um, and uh, was it Asaka? Was that was that his name? What was the the striker that was partnered? Uh, I can't remember, <laughs> but I know who you mean. Yeah, they, they, they had those two up front, and, and, yeah, and Vardy you know, used to run in behind. Yeah, yeah, the two up front, little 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 pests buzzing around like, and and then you know you've got you've got a narrow midfield. Do you think we're going to do a four four two diamond? And is that what is going to happen now? I mean, the diamond excites me from a pure hipster perspective. I'd love to see a diamond. It's hard to pull off, though, just because, especially in the Premier League. I mean, it goes back to my point I was saying earlier. The Ings sign is such a strange one. I don't think Smith's ever played with two up or not for a long, long while. And it ju- and I know we always talk about depth and it's good to have competition for places. We didn't sign him to sit on the bench when he's fit and firing. And we, we don't have Ollie to sit on the bench when he's fit or frying, firing. Which is where the Ings sign in such an interesting one for me. And I think it causes Smith a tactical problem. It's where do you put them both? And you go 4-4-2. We don't have the midfielders for 4-4-2. We don't, we've got great midfielders, but none of them are complete midfielders. And, and I mean, that Leicester team had, had N'Golo Kante, who can make up for Danny Drinkwater's deficiencies. He's, he's free midfielders in there, so you don't even need another complete midfielder. But, but we don't have one of those. And so I struggle to see us playing 4-4-2. Then you'd think maybe that Ings plays a 10 and replaces Barkley, but he's not the same player. That creates a big gap. And I think that's the knock-on problem we've had, is almost... The departure of Barkley or a Barkley-like player causes problems and makes us go looking for another complete midfielder like a James Ward-Prowse because we need we need some glue between that defensive unit and that attacking unit, which we don't have anymore. We had it with, with Jack and Barkley coming deep, and now we're looking at a player pushing forwards to fill that space. And I, I, I just don't know what it means. And I think, you know, Andy's point about the West Ham-Leicester games are really interesting. If you're a boring tactical nerd like me, one is you've got... Either West Ham, we've probably got the best double pivot in the league, I'd say, in Rice and, and Susek. They're both great at defending, great at getting forwards, great at passing, versus a single pivot that didn't work too well, but gives you your likes of Madison and, and whoever else free license to go forward. So I think if we sign a Delaney, we're basically saying to the rest of our midfielders, go have fun, go attack, off you go. If we sign a, a Ward-Prowse or a McKenney type, we're going back to that 4-2-3-1 counter-attacking. But I think it all stems from, and it, I can't believe I'm saying this, not replacing Barkley with another Barkley-like player. But getting Danny Ings in, great business. We should have done it all day long, but it creates a really interesting tactical problem. And I think we're going to see the knock-on effect of that for a little while. I think for me, and I've, I've put a little bit in, in my piece about this, is that with Danny Ings, he's... He's playing as a 10, but it's kind of an old-fashioned 10, like a Bergkamp type 10. Not that he's he's a different player to Bergkamp, but he's he's more of a short striker than a than a than a like a, a little and large, like a Saunders and Atkinson just, type just deal. One one that like, drops it slightly deeper and one that pushes on. And obviously Watkins is your one that that, that pushes the defence back. Um and, and Ings would be the one that, that, that comes slightly shorter. And you know, you come in. You, you, your number ten is kind of coming from the front line rather than pushing on from the midfield, and that's that's kind of the difference. It's the same position almost, just from a different point of view, um, and that's that's kind of what I like about signing Danny Ings. It will be a bit of a maybe a bit of a throwback to 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 those type of days where you, your number ten was your deep lying striker basically, rather than a, a midfield pushed on. Um, so. We'll, I mean, we'll see. Look, it's so interesting, and I think we talked. I mean, Craig, you banged the drum all all season last season about when 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 Grealish was out, 
you know, why are we still playing the same system that's designed for Grealish? Now, you know, maybe this is a response um, where we haven't got him anymore. So we're trying something different. We're going to go for something different and we're perhaps going to play with two strikers, um, you know, to change it up and to, to, to kind of, you know, you know, take a different approach and if that's to, if that's Shakespeare's doing then then happy days I don't see us playing as the same type of system that that um um that, that Leicester played I just don't think we've got the players to do it but you know certainly I think we are going to see more often than not Watkins with Ings up front in some form whether it's in a three or whether it's you know one up one one behind yeah I think it makes a lot of sense. And interesting, you saying about Leicester there, Craig, I think your point about Bergkamp and the short striker, which is a term I've seen thrown around by Smith quite a lot, which is interesting. There's probably a bit more in common with that old Arsenal's invincible side than than the Leicester side in the, in the way that they played. And I think if you look at our personnel, you've got kind of Bailey is similar to a, a Freddie Youngberg kind of player who's going to attack from midfield. We've got a wide playmaker in Buendia. We've got solid defense i think there's there's definitely if we're looking for for 442s to copy there's there's few worse to look at than that but i agree with you andy i think the idea of ings especially as he gets older dropping deeper i think he's got all of the intelligence to do that role for us and i think that's where he'll ultimately end up but hey these are good problems to have right like where do we fit ings and ollie into the team i mean come on these these are good times there's a couple of points here the first one i'll make is it's a shinzi shinzi shinji Akazaki was the uh, Leicester striker. Apologies for messing up that name earlier. The second thing is, if we're playing with two up top, why on earth are we getting rid of Wesley? Because Wesley, you know, for all of his faults, he can be a big lump up there. He's a big, strong lad. And, you know, even on the, the two or three minutes he was on at the weekend against Newcastle, he won a couple of headers. And, you know, the ball didn't just bounce straight back as it was with uh, Danny Ings because Danny Ings isn't that kind of player. It's not a critique. It's just a fact. Uh, when the ball went up to Ings, it bounced straight back um, because, you know, he was no match for those giants at Newcastle at the back. So imagine having a Wesley and then at least he's winning balls, winning flick-ons. You know, that, you know we're going really old school with the, you know, proper Dublin 90s football here. If you're gonna, if you, if you're gonna do that, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get rid of Wesley, surely. Well, the the, the big striker, the big number nine, is definitely back in vogue. Um, the the big back to goal number nine with Lukaku coming back to the Premier League and Antonio with one of just such a dominant performance in that position last night for West Ham. Um, that type of striker is coming back. Wesley needs to Wesley needs to go and play some some games, and hopefully, I believe he's going to Club Bruges on loan. Um, and hopefully, you know that's somewhere he's known, that's somewhere he's loved, and 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 that might be the making of him now. For me, um, in the no Andy here. That's well, that, 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 I'm, I'm getting Bruges. that from uh, from Twitter. ITK <laughs> account. Oh, Andy okay. Bates here with all the breaking news. <laughs> You're right, though, Andy. It's a good move for him. And we've all said before we want him to do well. And that's he's going home. And fair play to him in that regard. I think he, he's played his best football there, too. But I think you're saying, like, why are we getting rid of Wesley? We got Keenan Davis to come back in. And Keenan Davis, I think, is oh, not dear. a lone striker. But I think in a two, I think he's a useful foil for another striker to have, doing the dirty work, doing that that kind of physical work. He's not 
he's definitely not a lone striker who's going to score goals, hold up the ball. But if it's one thing you can do, it's can hold up the ball and bully defenders. And if he's got another lad running off of him, scoring those chances, I think he, he won't be terrible in a two-up top for us. So I think that, I think he's above Wesley in the pecking order, which is why Wesley's gone. But I get your point, Craig, for sure. I think if we're playing two-up top, you want to have a few more bodies around. But um, we need to look ahead to, to Saturday now. Um, Villa... Um, welcome Dean Smith's old team Brentford back to Villa Park this weekend um, and we'll be looking to end a hoodoo which uh, Smith himself kind of started whilst he was um, the head coach at Brentford um, way back when we were in the, in the championship all those years ago. Brentford have made an excellent start beating Arsenal on the first day and earning a credit, creditable point away at Crystal Palace last weekend. Obviously Ivan Tony will be the main threat for Villa um, but in truth, it feels like whoever plays for Brentford, um, beating them just seems impossible at this point. Um, after the last the last few games we've had against them, how are you? How are you looking for Villa to to line up on this one? And do you think um, Ollie Watkins will be will be back in the side against his old club? If he's if he's back fit, I, I'm dreading this one, lads. I'm I kind of I do not have a good feeling about this. It's uh, <laughs> as far as how we line up. I think if Ollie's fit, he's straight in the team. And I have a feeling, given El Ghazi played 60 minutes tonight, that maybe slotting in into El Ghazi's spot on the left of that front three, even though Dean said he'd line them both up together. Um, and I, I'm not sure El Ghazi would have played 60 minutes tonight if he was playing the weekend. But maybe that's just me kind of reading the tea leaves and getting the wrong answers there. But the one thing I would say, and, and yeah, Brentford have had our number, is the way they play in that high pressing almost suits us having our kind of quick players, that counter-attacking style we like to play. And if Ollie's fit and can get in behind them, then I think we stand a good chance of beating that press and, and scoring goals. And I think Mings will, will enjoy the battle with Tony, so I'm not too bothered about that end. The one thing I would say is I don't think it's going to be fun to watch as a Villa fan. I think we will play almost like the away team at Villa Park because because Brentford kind of are dominant and the way they set out is dominant. But I, I fancy us to get, get in behind them and it's that, that double-edged sword of that kind of pressing. You you push that many men forwards, you can leave holes at the back. And if, if Ollie Watkins is back, I fancy us with his pace, maybe Leon Bailey back, who knows, kind of we, we can get in behind them and score some. But yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I don't know about you two. Oh, it's tricky. Well, first of all, we're recording on Tuesday evening after the Barrow game. So... You know, we haven't got news on Bailey. We haven't got news on Watkins. We haven't got news on Traore. Uh, we haven't, you know, there could even be a new signing, you know. Uh, in, in the no Andy is just telling us about Wesley being off to Bruges. Maybe uh, Harahan is off to Bruges as well. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So it's really going to depend on the players available. But I'm thinking the idea is going to be the same again, which was an idea I advocated for against Newcastle. It's a bit boring. Let's keep it tight, lads. Let's keep it nil-nil keep a clean sheet, and then you're going to back your strikers. You're going to back Danny in to bury the half chance from a set piece or whatever. Yes, it's a little bit Tony Pulis-esque, but while we're waiting for our team <laughs> to get fit, our attacking players, it's going to have to be a little bit more pragmatic, I think. So I think we might be like the away team. I think I agree. I think it could be a little bit backs to the wall. Brentford haven't conceded a goal yet in their first two Premier League games. It's worth noting. Um, so they look solid defensively as well. So I think we... The first thing, first things first, Aston Villa, let's keep a clean sheet. And then you're always back with players like Danny Ings on the pitch, who we, who we think is going to certainly going to play. Or 
and where Algar's Golzi, who was also almost who was, who was also always good for a goal, you'd you'd back a Dean Smith Smith team to score. So I think lads, let's let's get to the international break. Let's keep a clean sheet. Let's try and get a, another set piece goal or two and get the three points and wait for everyone to come back. Um, so yeah, I am advocating us parking the bus somewhat. Big game for Emmy Buendia, by the way. I think um, in the, I watched the Arsenal game and, and Emil Smith-Rowe was probably Arsenal's most threatening player. Would look better in a, a Villa shirt, but that's a different story. But I think he caused them problems. And I think that I saw highlights of the, the Palace game and Conor Gallagher kind of gave them problems too. And I think Buendia will have space to operate. And I think if he starts clicking for us, it could be the game where he comes good. But just, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a good shout. And, you know, Buendia... You know, for for being our record signing to this point has has gone slightly under the radar um, this season. I think uh, you know he really needs a a big performance um, at the weekend, um, certainly to to kind of lead into the international break and um, and when he comes back, um, if he goes to Argentina, um, whenever he comes back after his quarantining spell. But uh, I said we weren't going to talk about that, and we won't. We'll wait and see what happens. Um, so, guys, give us a prediction then. Um, Aston Villa v Brentford. I'm going. Um, I'm going for some good old fashioned Bruce Ball one one nil with a with a with a Danny Ings. No, not even Danny Ings. Let's go for an Esri Conza scramble against his former club at the back post. Bundles one in one nil. Um, three points on the board. Live to fight another day in terms of when getting our, our, our attacking players out because obviously at the moment, as we saw against Newcastle, as we saw against Watford, the balance isn't quite right, and uh, we really need either a Bailey or a Troy or at least one of them. We need a trickster in the team to help us moving forward, and, and without either of them, it was uh, it was tough going. So yeah, one nil win. Esri Konza back post scramble one in. Lovely. I think it could be a battle of the long throws and uh, we could see a lot of towels around the sidelines of Villa Park this weekend. But um, I think it'll be a point. I don't know if it will be goalless or, or not. I think it'll be a point, but I think at the end of the season we'll look back on that being a good point. So I think Brentford are going to show a few teams up at home this year. So I'm going nil-nil, but with, with long throws aplenty at Villa Park. Well, I'm going to be a bit more optimistic. I'm going to say 2 nil, And uh, I'm going to say... Yeah, Ollie Watkins, if he plays, and um, a nice free kick from Ashley Young um, would, would be lovely in front of the halt end. Um, but thanks for joining me today, guys. Been re- really good. Thanks for uh, Dan. Thanks for staying up and 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 Craig. I know you're off. You're off for a dip in a little while. So uh, enjoy that. <laughs> enjoy that. I am. <laughs> Into the swimming pool. That wasn't another manscape <laughs> reference. It's thirty-five degrees. It's, it's thirty-five degrees here, and um, and I'm ready for Absolutely. a swim I and don't a beer. Blame you. Um, and uh, as, as as Craig mentioned earlier, if you want to head over to Manscape for all your products, um, you can use the code Lamp L A M P, and that will get you twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping from there. Manscape.com. Um, and thanks everyone for listening. If you want to follow us on on the socials just head over to twitter facebook and instagram and search under a gaslit lamp and and give us a follow and we've got some great articles coming up on the website including mine hopefully tomorrow um and uh so head over to under a for all the coverage of the first team the academy who performed so well um some of them tonight um against barrow um and of course the the, the villa women as well um 
But other than that, enjoy the game. If you're going on Saturday or if wherever you're watching from, um, take care, stay safe, and up the villa. <laughs>